Let's read this together as we start this morning. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Good morning. Glad to be here with you all again today. Uh, again, I'm thankful to be uh, um, celebrating our, I almost said worshiping our graduates. We're worshiping together, celebrating our graduates, okay? Uh, let's not worship our graduates. Uh, thankful to be uh, celebrating them this morning and also thankful to be together with you all. Um, we have started a new series. Last week was our very first week. We are searching and seeking how we can really desire God's will. Okay, it's going to be several weeks, and like I said, uh, I'm coming out of the book called Desiring God's Will uh, by David Benner. Uh, it's a really great book. I, I encourage you to read it. Some of the themes and some of the things I talk about are coming directly from there. Uh, but we are, as a church, you know, our, our aim is to glorify God. And it's a great thing to say, but sometimes we recognize it's hard to really live out. And last week we talked about why it's difficult, right? Because we hesitate to ask ourselves the question, why sometimes, right? We talk about why do we do things? You know, I want to be a good Christian. I want to go to heaven. I want to know Jesus. And I do all these things. I do all these, you know, Bible studies. I go to church. I do all the things that I'm supposed to do. But sometimes we don't ask ourselves the question, why? We don't stop and say, okay, am I going to church because I want to be with my community? Or am, I, am I going to church because I want to worship God? Or is it just because I'm going to church for the sake of going to church, right? All these different things. And you can go line by line and think about all the, the disciplines that you do and really ask yourself, why do I do them? And I, and I hope you were able to, do, able to do that last week because we recognize that discipline is a great thing, but it is a very, very poor master, Right? And when we, we call ourselves Christians, we are, we are submitting our lives and we are saying, Jesus, you are our master. And we want to live in reflection of that. But we are seeking as a church to say, how do we go about desiring God's will in a deeper way? But as we begin today, uh, we're calling this my kingdom, thy kingdom. I hope that becomes clear here in a little bit. But as we get started, I want you to think about a time where you wanted something. But once you received that something, didn't really want it anymore. Okay? Think. Whatever it might be. It could be silly. It could be big. Whatever it might be. When I thought about this, the very first thing that came to mind was this. Okay? You guys might not know what this is. This is Techno, the robot puppy. Um, my parents were very against me ever having a dog. <laughs> okay? A real live, breathing dog. My mom worked in New Smyrna. My dad worked in Flagler. Flagler. We lived in Daytona Beach, right? And they were school teachers. And so we got home late almost every night. And um, they were like, no, we're not getting a dog, Jimmy. So I was like, okay, if you're not going to get me a dog, you're going to buy me this robotic puppy. <laughs> and if you have time today, go on YouTube and, and look up Techno the Robot Puppy. It is comical what this dog would do. But I wanted this dog so bad because... I thought, you know what, this is the next best thing. I can take care of this dog, this robot dog. I can put batteries in it, right? You could actually take the, teach this dog tricks. It had a website you could go to and learn how to teach this dog new tricks. And, you know, I, every commercial break seemed to have Techno the Robot Puppy on it. And I wanted it so, so bad. And finally, I wore my parents down, 
it probably costs like 35 bucks. You know, 35 bucks, I think, is a, is a good enough reason to get me to stop talking about this dog, right? That's a fine, you know, deposit to make for me to stop talking about it. Um, but guess what happened to this robot puppy about a week after I got it? Can you guess? Went in the closet. Batteries were taken out of it. The, the yip, yip, yip of the dog was not as cute when it's a robot. Um, and oddly enough, I think it's still at my parents' house. My parents don't throw much away. Uh, I think it's still there. And so um, there's this little thing that I thought about when I thought about the thing that I wanted, but once I got it, I didn't really, really want it anymore. The, a more serious thing was, you know, when you're a kid and you, and you look at older people, maybe you have older siblings or older cousins, and they have, you know, driver's license, and they have jobs, and they have things that they can do that you can't do. You look to those people like, man, one day, I'm going to do everything I want to do. One day, I'm going to be able to get in my car and drive to Taco Bell at 2 o'clock in the morning and get a bean burrito. That sounds great, right? That's about the end of the thing that you want to do. And what you soon realize as you kind of have a car and you have things to pay for, the things that you wanted to do, you don't really end up doing all that much anymore, right? Because driving a car requires you to put gas in the car, which requires you to have money for the gas that you put in the car. And then you want to go eat all this junk food, but as you get older, you realize that the junk food isn't really good for your body. So all those bean burritos you want to eat or cheesy gordita crunches you want to eat, they're not going to look so good on you in a few hours. Right? It's this idea. We have these ideas in our minds. We have these techno puppies and these, these aspirations of going to Taco Bell in the morning that once we actually get them, they're not what they seem to be. And I think you see where I'm going with this. I hope, I, there's some spiritual implications here. But the big question I have for you this morning is, do we want what we pray for? Just sit with that for a second. Do we actually want what we pray for? I tricked you guys this morning. We prayed all together before I got up here. We said the Lord's Prayer together. You've probably heard this prayer thousands of times if you're in the church, even outside of the church. If you watch the, the show Friday Night Lights, they're, they're praying this prayer before they go, on, they go play football, right? These kids that are probably non-Christian all around the country are probably still praying this prayer, this uniting force. It's not just a Christian prayer. It's a prayer that a lot of people know. And we've prayed it hundreds of thousands of times in our lives. And my question remains, still, after we pray that prayer that Jesus himself taught us to pray, do we want what we pray for? Okay. It's a weird thing to ask because you're saying, Jimmy, of course I want what, what I pray for, right? I, I want God's kingdom to come. I want his will to be done. But I want this morning to look at the Lord's Prayer and really see what we're praying about, okay? And as we look through this as the lens of desiring God's will, I want us to be a foundational piece as to what we're actually desiring, okay? This gets to the nuts and bolts. The Lord's Prayer really shows us, okay, if you want my will, you have to pray this prayer and you, you have to mean it, okay? And that might sound odd. Like I said, we've prayed the Lord's Prayer our entire lives, but we have to mean it. So we're going to look through the Lord's Prayer. So if you have your Bibles, be open up there. It's in Matthew chapter 6, okay? The first thing I want to look at within the Lord's Prayer is this right here, that God is holy and I am not. Let's say that together, okay? God is holy, I am not. We could say this over and over and over again because the truth is deep, 
but we don't actually live like it is truth sometimes. Okay, the very first thing that we say, one of the very first things that we say in the Lord's Prayer is hallowed be your name. Hallowed be thy name, right? And this is kind of an old word we don't really use all that often, but a better way to look at it is, is to say holy is your name. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. The very first thing that we're doing when we pray the Lord's Prayer, if we want to mean it, is stopping and reflecting on the holiness of God. Stopping and reflecting that every evil desire that I have, God is the opposite of that. Right? God is love. God is holy. And it's important for us to stop and reflect on this because when we do this, we're affirming God's holiness. We're not only saying that, yes, we recognize that the idea of God is holy, but when we pray this prayer, we're saying, God, we are attributing your holiness to you. We are throwing whatever that might be, the, the, the bad way that we can define it, whatever that might be, we're saying, God, you are holy. First and foremost, you are holy. God is holy. And the, and the thing that's so difficult is that our society right now, they think in absoluteness, okay? And, and what I mean by that is that a lot of times in society, the louder you are, the more correct you are. Have you seen this before? I'm not going to get political here, but if you were to go turn on ESPN right now, all morning long, they have different show after different show about people who are arguing, and nobody really talks to each other. They just yell over each other. And whoever's loudest is most true. Whoever's loudest is most correct. The absolute truth is not always the actual truth. It is the loudest voice in the room. And when we pray the Lord's Prayer, we're allowing the loudest voice in the room to actually be silence. Because when we pray the Lord's Prayer and we say, holy is your name, hallowed be your name, our response needs to be silence and reflection. God's first language is silence. God's native tongue is, is, is silence. We talk about Satan's native tongue to be lies. Well, God's native tongue is silence because he's holy and we are not. We should stop and reflect on this. And this is a big problem for my kingdom. We talk about my kingdom and God's kingdom because when we stop and reflect and say, you know what, God, you are holy and I am not, my kingdom becomes a little bit smaller. And my kingdom becomes a little less secure. Because what we like to do with our lives is to build up our little kingdoms to make us feel safe. To make us feel like we've built something, that we have accomplished something. But when we pray the Lord's Prayer, the very first thing that we recognize is that what we're building is not going to measure up to the holiness of God. Our Father who is in heaven Holy is your name. Hallowed be your name. Stopping and reflecting on that kind of kingdom. Because sometimes, even in church settings, I talked about the world being the loudest one to, to, um, and the argument is the most correct. That's not just in the world. Look at what Jesus is saying in the very context of the Lord's Prayer. This is what he's saying about the Pharisees. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. When we, even within the church, try to make our kingdoms to be holy kingdoms of security, of righteousness, of the things that we create and the things that we build, we get our reward on earth today. 
And you're saying, this doesn't happen. Yes, it does. <laughs> if you hang around with Christians long enough, you're going to see a lot of people like this who want to seem a certain way, who want to say all the right things, but they're not actually humbling themselves to the holiness of God. They're not actually praying the Lord's Prayer and meaning it when they say, God, holy is your name. You are holy. I am not. We don't want to be like the Pharisees, obviously. And we want the Lord's Prayer to put our self-holiness in check. So the very first thing when we're talking about desiring God's will and, and reading the Lord's Prayer is recognizing that God is holy and I am not. The second thing that I want to take away is that God's kingdom is truth. Okay, let's say that together, okay? God's kingdom is truth. If we are building up our kingdoms and we are going to compare it to God's kingdom, guess what our kingdom is going to look like? Pretty bad, right? It's going to look flimsy. It's not going to be very sturdy, right? We are not holy. Christ makes us holy. And when we want our kingdoms to be greater than God's, we're not allowing the power of Christ to be within us. In, that, in this idea of, of God's kingdom, when we pray the Lord's Prayer and we actually want to mean it, we're not just saying God is holy and I am not and walking away. We actually have something to do here. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When I read this and when I read the Lord's Prayer, it seems like there's some action on my part after recognizing that God is holy and I am not. Okay? We say, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. As Christians, we cannot read the Lord's Prayer and just sit back and watch everything unfold. Are you with me? If we look at the life of Jesus, he didn't just come on this earth and said, you know what? In about 33 years, I'm going to be crucified. And so in that time span, things are just going to happen. And I, I might have a part of it. I might not. I might just watch other people do it. And God's kingdom will become, will come and his will will be done. Uh, but in 33 years, I have an appointment and that's all I'm going to do. But see, sometimes as Christians, we forget our part in, in, in doing this, uh, what the Lord's Prayer is calling us to do. When we're saying your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that means that we have a responsibility to do something about it. As we stop and reflect and saying, God, you are holy and I am not, that reflection should bring us to a place of, God, I want to bring your kingdom on this earth. I want to be an integral part to what is happening, the infiltration of the kingdom of God within this world. We can acknowledge God's holiness and yet, yet attempt to secure our own little kingdoms on this earth. And please, I, I want to say aside here. I am not saying that success on earth is a bad thing. Okay, We see plenty of people in Scripture who use their success to further God's kingdom. But when we build our kingdom with all the little things that we want to do and all the things that we want to accomplish, while also saying, yeah, I, I fall under God's kingdom too, we're missing out on what God's kingdom can actually do. We see ourselves as Interstate 95, and God's kingdom is the service road right beside us. Right? As long as God's kingdom is beside us, and I can secure my kingdom, things will be great. As long as I can do whatever I want and accomplish whatever I want to do, and I can still go to church and do whatever I need to do there, I'm doing God's will. 
But the problem with that is that we're not stopping and reflecting on saying, God, you are holy and I am not. And God, I have a job to do on this earth. What might that be? It seems here that we are to be actively seeking how the kingdom of God can be lived out in our lives. How the kingdom of God can be seen in our jobs, in our schools, in our families, wherever it might be. That the kingdom of God is actually infiltrating, right? We are spies in God's kingdom network. Infiltrating this world today. Being people of peace. Bringing light to darkness. That's what we're called to do. And that's what the Lord's prayer is asking us to do. And you see, the problem is when we build up our kingdoms, we actually have an example of this in Acts chapter 5. If you want to flip there, you can. I'll have the verses up here. But you might remember Ananias and Sapphira. This is when the church is exploding with just conversions. People are hearing and they're believing. So many good things are happening. And Ananias and Sapphira, they sell their property. They have a great deal of wealth and they say that they give it all to the church. And if you remember the story, they end up actually keeping some for themselves. But this is what Peter has to say to Ananias and Sapphira. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? This is my favorite part. I love how annoyed Peter is here. Didn't it belong to you because it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't that your money, that the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing something? Not lied just to human beings, but to God. What Peter is basically saying here is, you literally could have done whatever you wanted to with that money. It was your money to spend, and you could have done whatever you wanted to do. But you came up in the church and said, we did this holy and righteous thing to help the kingdom of God. That's your issue. You're wanting your kingdom and God's kingdom to run parallel as long as they possibly can. And you're not stopping to consider what God's kingdom is actually calling you to do. We do the exact same thing, okay? We do the exact same thing, building up our kingdoms. And I love that Peter's saying, you know, it is not wrong for you to have this because it was your property in the first place, but don't act like you are doing God's will while actually carrying out your will. We have a job to do, and it's not to be these convoluted, and we know what happened to Ananias and Sapphira. Bad thing, right? They dropped dead. It's not good. Our kingdom cannot be God's kingdom. As long as we keep building our kingdom, our private kingdom, the kingdom of God cannot expand on the earth. I might be dating myself a little bit here. Uh, there's this band that I used to listen to in high school called Five Iron Frenzy. They're a Christian band. They're like punk rock, kind of. Um, but what, they have a lyric that I always think about. And it's, 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 the song is called Eulogy, and it's talking about dying to yourself. And there's this part in the bridge where he says, if Jesus Christ is truth, then I am mostly lies. If Jesus Christ is love, then I have failed to try. Right? Hear that one more time. That, and that comes a little bit from Scripture, too. If Jesus Christ is truth, the embodiment of truth, then I am mostly lies. If Jesus Christ is love, then I have failed to try. Right? It really puts in perspective just how big and great and how holy the kingdom of God is in comparison to what we bring forth to the altar. Right? There's no comparison. Let's stop thinking there is. Let's see what the kingdom of God might look like in our lives. How we can build a deeper structure towards building towards the kingdom of God in our world today. We have a job to do. Right? God is holy. I am not. 
and we are part of, of bringing God's truth, God's kingdom of truth into the world today. Now, the third thing is kind of what I want to bring this to. It's graduation Sunday, okay? And this is, I think, what brings the whole Lord's Prayer into a different light, at least for me. Okay, we must desire God's will in community. Okay, think about that for a second. We must desire God's will in community. I don't know about you, but for most of my Christian walk, there's been this emphasis on understanding your personal relationship with God. And I am not trying to dismiss that whatsoever, okay? We need to have a personal relationship with Christ. We need to recognize that Jesus did die for you and that you need to have a relationship one-on-one with Christ in your life. But you cannot do that by yourself, okay? And what I'm saying to our grads this, this morning is that you've been surrounded for most of your life in a church community. You've been surrounded by people who care for you, and, and you might not realize it right now, but they care deeply for you, period. And they always will. But you cannot just have a personal relationship with Jesus and not be part of this community. Right? We got comfortable, and I'm not trying to... I understand a lot of people are still worshiping, worshiping with us online, uh, for health reasons, and I, I'm so thankful we have this conduit to still worship together and be the body of Christ. But a lot of us got comfortable with not being part of the body over the season of COVID. We got comfortable having an insulated life saying, you know what, I can just have a relationship with Jesus. I can read my Bible. I can watch the, the sermon on, on YouTube or Facebook, and I'm good. That's what Satan wants you to believe, full out. We must desire God's will in community, okay? This is important. I underline this because it was enlightening to me, okay? This is the Our Father prayer once again, but I underlined all the plurals. And I said the very first thing that we grasp is the holiness of God, but the very, very first thing that we grasp is the unity that we have to have as we observe God's holiness. The very first word, Our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. You cannot do this alone. And the thing that I really want to understand is that God is not just your father, he is our father. Right? He is not just your Savior, He is our Savior. And when we stop thinking about it just such a selfish way of being this Christian who doesn't need community, who doesn't need to be part of this fellowship, you're missing out on the entire work of Christ. I, I truly believe that. Our Father in heaven. He is our Father who does these works. To desire God's will, it cannot be a solo exercise. I don't know if you're a documentary fan. This might scare a few people, okay? If you don't want to look at this, don't look at it, okay? But there's a documentary called Free Solo. I think it's still on Hulu. Um, this guy's crazy. One of the craziest sports that exists on planet Earth, these guys scale rock faces with zero equipment. It's, it's not a good idea, okay? We don't have mountains in Florida, so I, I, can, I can say, you know, we do have a climbing gym maybe in, in town, but this is extreme. I can't watch this documentary. I tried to. It gets my stomach sick. 
to watch these guys scale these mountains by themselves, no equipment. If he lets go right here, it's done. The problem is, is that so many Christians take this approach to their Christianity. If I just read this book, if I just read my Bible, if I just do the things in, isolated, insulated from everybody else, I will have a right relationship with God. Free solo Christians die. Period. They die because they don't have the life that the community can bring them. And you might be thinking, Jimmy, I don't know anybody here. Nobody here likes me. Guess what? Relationships are two-way streets. If you're not investing into the community, you are also part of the problem. If you do not see where you fit in, make something for yourself to fit in too. Right? It's one of those things where I am so strange at times. Okay? I can talk about Survivor for like four hours straight. No problem. Diane and I talk every Tuesday, and sometimes I get a little too carried away. There's like people trying to come in to get food. I'm like, but did you see the challenge last week? Hold on. Like, I could talk to you about the weirdest things, and some of you might be like, I don't have anything in common with Jimmy. But guess what? The fact that you're here this morning, the fact that you believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that he died for your sins, our sins collectively, we got something in common that's pretty awesome. It doesn't matter that our interests are radically different. Maybe your interests can interest me, right? Maybe my interests can interest you. And it's not just about just the bonds that we have as friends, but it's the bonds that we have as brothers and sisters. Free solo Christians die. Communities thrive. That's why we're still here thousands of years later talking about this man who died one day. Because communities thrive. Communities can bring life. And that's what we need to be. When we desire God's will, it's going to be very difficult for you to do that by yourself. So the question still remains, do we want what we pray for? We just went through three things, right? God is holy, I am not. God's kingdom is truth. And that we need to do this in and among community. That's what the Lord's Prayer is, is telling me. And I think there's so many other things that we can take away from it that we can, that we can say this is what the Lord's Prayer is saying. But even just those three things, do you want that in your life? And you have to ask yourself the question, why, again, okay? Never stop asking questions. Because if your answer is, no, I don't really want that, and if that makes you uncomfortable, don't be afraid of that. Allow that uneasiness to bring you into deeper conversation. Allow that uneasiness to bring you to a place like we talked about in the Great Faith series about, I am just not there. I don't know if I even want to be part of this community. Allow that to make you uncomfortable to do something about it. Don't make that uncomfortable feeling be wasted. Do we want what we pray for? I'll leave you with that as we pray. God, uh, we, I think, for the most part in here, say that we, we do desire your will. And we recognize that uh, for some of us, we don't know what that really looks like. But I, pr- I pray that as we look at the Lord's Prayer and we see just baked into that, there's so much goodness that we can, that we can take from it, that we can learn and, and lean towards to say, God, I do want to desire God's will. And, th- and this is how I can kind of get better in that place. God, help us to take these words and pray them often. Help us to actually mean what we pray.
Help us to seek that community that will give us life. And God, I recognize that we're, we might not be best friends. We might not share every single detail of our lives together, but we share a very significant portion of our lives saying, God, Jesus is our Savior. And that's what this community is based and built around. Help us to lean into that. Help us to lean into community as we desire God's will together. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And this is the part of the, of the sermon where we ask, if you have any needs, please let them be known. If you are wrestling with this question, do I want this in my life? Wrestle with it in community. Wrestle with it together. Help us to lean into each other rather than to be isolated, free solo Christians that ultimately die at the end of the story. Won't you come while we stand and sing?